Um, over the last two years, we have faced one of the most chaotic times in our lives. Lockdowns, illness, job losses, schools closed. You know, they call it a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. You know, last year when the pandemic hit, you know, most people thought it was a joke. You know, most people thought it was not as serious as it was. And yet when everything plunged into lockdown, suddenly we realised that it wasn't a dream, but it was actually a nightmare. Uh, This year when we got put into lockdown again for an even longer period of time, even though we thought we had hit the bottom of the barrel last year, it's like someone threw us a shovel and said, dig again. Now, there have been many studies done uh, to look at the, the state of man during these times. And one of the studies that I came across looked at the welfare of Australians during the last two years. And these are just some of the stats from that. 20% of Australians experienced high or very uh, high levels of psychological distress. of people 18 years and over uh, felt nervous. 24% felt restless or fidgety. 16% felt hopeless. And 11% of people felt nothing could cheer them up. That's really sad. And, and, And it has been very difficult for many people. And even though things seem to be getting better, um, even though restrictions seem to be easing and life is slowly getting back to what we used to know as normal, the effects of the pandemic will actually be felt for quite a while. But while I was reading these statistics and considering um, the mental state of our nation, what was really sad was that for many of us, this state of helplessness and chaos may be a temporary reality. Sadly, there are many people in this world that this is their constant reality because of financial reasons, because of broken relationships, because of mental health or physical health issues. For a lot of people, the state of helplessness and brokenness is their everyday reality. They live in a world where there are no answers, no solutions, no dreams, and no hope. It's a pretty dire state. Now, we've been working through the book of Isaiah, and this idea of the helpless state is where the people of God are in the book of Isaiah, where we're up to. The people of, of, of Israel um, were living in captivity, under a neighbouring country's king. They were broken, captive, and hopeless. For 39 chapters of Isaiah, um, Isaiah had been pummeling the people about uh, disobedience and faithlessness. But we see in Isaiah chapter 40, we see things turn a corner where God reaches out to his people. Now, there are three parts in chapter 40 that we'll be looking at. And the first part is this, the promise of comfort. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been complete. 
that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, the word comfort, as you and I know it, is this idea to soothe and to make feel better. But the Hebrew word for comfort that is used here, <clears throat> excuse me, is nachamu, which means to strengthen and to encourage. More than feeling better, the word comfort is a word that instills security. God is saying, encourage my people. In the middle of their discouragement, give them courage. Speak tenderly to them. Speak to their hearts and let them know, I want to deliver them. See, the tone is completely different from what we've heard in the first 39 chapters around judgment and punishment. And now God speaks around care and comfort. This is what God wants his people to know, that even though they are in captivity, God will deliver them and God will save them. God will rescue them. And bring them comfort. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 9 to 11. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have, uh, that have young. And this is how God is speaking to the scattered people of God. And he's comforting, saying, hey, I will gather you. Like a shepherd would gather his sheep. I will gather you. I will embrace you. And I will love you. But the question that we ask is, how is it that God can promise this? Like, who is God that he can promise such a thing? And we see this in the next section in verse 12 to 26. Why God can bring comfort. And the answer, the simple answer is, it's because he is God. From verse 12 to 26, we see two qualities of God that are going to help us to understand who God is, and because of who God is, how he can bring comfort to his people. The first quality of God is the power of God. Verse 12 to 17. And I want you to listen to how Isaiah describes this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills on a balance? Who can fathom? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely. The nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. 
Listen to the questions that are being asked about God. Who can measure the waters, the oceans of the earth in the palm of his hand? Who did God ask advice for when creating the universe? Or when God decides to do something, who is it that taught God how to do it? And the answer is no one. No one is smarter than God. No one is more powerful than God. Who taught God? No one. Because no one can teach God because no one knows more than God. Why is it that God, that God can bring comfort to his people? Because he is the almighty, all-powerful God. And the word that's used to describe this is a word called omnipotent. Omni meaning unlimited, potent meaning power. God is unlimited power. Now, this morning at Burwood, I gave a little quiz. When you think about unlimited power, what movie comes to mind? And in Burwood, they didn't get it. But let's see if you get it, right? Think of a movie. When you think about unlimited power, what movie comes to mind? It's a kid's movie. Shout it out. Come on. Work with me. I know there's some people that 100% know what this movie is. Unlimited power. What movie comes to mind? Lion King? No. That's what you said this morning and it was wrong as well. You can't keep giving this the wrong answer. <laughs> Here you go. Iron Man? Oh, getting there. Thanos? Oh, getting there. It's down your path. Between Janice and Nick, you would know this movie back to front. No. A being with unlimited power, but an itty-bitty house. It's a Disney movie. That's right. Aladdin. Right? When you think about the genie in Aladdin, he has unlimited power. Yet, he doesn't because he's in chains. But that's the difference between our God and anyone else. Is God has that unlimited power. And there is nothing that stops God. So the first thing that we understand about God is that he's powerful. But the second thing that we understand about God is that there is nothing that can compare to God. The incomparable nature of God. Verse 18. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning, have you not understand since the earth was founded, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, then he blows on them and they wither. 
and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God is saying, hey, who is my equal? It's not just the fact that God is unlimited power. It's not that that he is omnipotent, but it's the fact that there is no one on earth that comes even close to being like God. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me? See, this is so important for the listener to hear, to understand how is it that God can give me comfort? Now, you've got to remember, right? This is given to the Israelites who are in captivity in a neighboring country. It's like God's like, I will bring you comfort. And they're like, how is God going to bring us comfort? And they are reminded, I am God. I am all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent God. No one can bring comfort like me. This is why. They're called to trust God to bring comfort. Part three of this chapter is titled, Those Who Trust in the Lord. Verse 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. What amazing words God gives to these captives who are down and out. The promise, put your hope in me and I will renew your strength. Listen, you will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I love that line. They will run and not grow weary. They will go to the gym and not be tired. That's all I could think about. This is what God promises to his people that are in captivity. This is what God promises the comfort to bring to those that live in chaos. And not only did God promise, but God delivers. God does come to save his people out of exile and slavery. But more importantly, God comes to save people out of their sin. John quotes Isaiah In John 1, 23, he says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And he did. That was John's job. John came and proclaimed that the Messiah was coming, that Jesus was coming. Jesus, the ultimate comfort. Jesus is the final encouragement for each and every one of us. When we believe what Scripture says, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that whoever believes in him will, that will, will not perish and have life forever. That is the most comforting thing 
that any person can hear. Why? Because what's the worst thing that, that can happen to you? The worst thing that can happen to you for most people in this world is death. Right? But what Jesus says is that if you put your faith in me, even when you die, that is not the end. But that's the beginning of life with me in heaven. Isn't that comforting? To know that everything that we're going through in this life is only a, a part, is only a, a section. But actually when we put our trust in Jesus, that the future that we have with him will be just so nice, so comforting. So what does it mean for you today? What does it mean for you that God is the great comforter? What does it mean for you to know that you have the most powerful being, the omnipotent God, who has no comparison? There is no one like our God. No one can come even close to what God can offer to you. And not only does he exist, but he's actually on your side. He's actually fighting for you. You know what that does? It changes your life. It changes your life. The way you see the world changes. The way you perceive the world changes. The way you go through challenges changes because you know that in your corner, you have the God of the heavens and the earth that created and controls the universe. Uh, there's two stories I want to share with you. I remember there was one that I got told these two kids were fighting in the playground. And, you know, primary school kids being primary school kids, they try to uh, up each other. They try to become bigger than each other. You know, so one kid would be like, you know, I, you know, I'm smarter than you. What did you get in your math test? And, you know, one kid would be like, well, I got 70%. And the other kid would be like, man, I got 80%. And then the other kid would be like, yeah, but, but I beat you in English. You know, I got 90%. And this guy's like, well, I got 90.5%. Yeah, but, but I'm faster than you. You know, like I, I came fifth in the race and the other kid was like, man, but I do long distance. I didn't do short distance. I'm a long distance runner. You can't compare apples and oranges, you know? And, and they're just fighting and they're fighting. And then you know what it gets to? You know, my, my dad does Taekwondo. And the other kid's like, really? And this kid's like, yeah. And you see his shoulders get broader. You see him grow an inch. Right? Because my dad does Taekwondo and he's brown belt. And this kid looks and, and, and he was like this. And suddenly he hears brown belt and he goes, <laughs> My dad is black belt. And it completely changed the argument. It was hilarious, right? These two little kids fighting. And at the end of the day, the confidence for them to win or to lose the argument had nothing to do with them. Had everything to do with who was behind them, who was backing them, right? Anyway, that might have been me. That might have been my story. I'm not going to tell you which side I was on, but I'm just saying. It just came to mind. But I'll illustrate with another story. This is not me. In a native Indian American village, when the boys of the village turned 12, they would go through a ritual a routine, a rite of passage that would recognize them to become a man. 
they would be taken out of the village and thrown into the jungle, into deep jungle. And all they would be given is a spear. And they would have to survive one night alone in the jungle by themselves. It was a test for the boys to prove their courage and their determination. So one of the boys who just turned 12 was taken out to the spot in the jungle, left there. And the boy had to survive. As the afternoon became darker and became evening, the boy started to see less and less. There would be multiple sounds of wild animals walking around, birds flying around. There was no sleep for the boy. There was no peace for the boy. The boy would hunch behind a rock and a tree, holding onto the spear, hoping that no animal would attack him, no bird would attack him. He would wait and wait and wait and hope for this sun to come up. The whole time he would be filled with fear, anxiety, stress for the whole night. Finally, at the crack of dawn, when the sun started to appear, the boy's heart was so relieved. As the sun came up, he could start to see things. Trees, rocks, mountains, path. And his heart became more and more at ease. But while he was looking around, he saw something that he didn't expect. Behind a large tree, he saw his father. And his father was not just standing there, but had a bow and arrow ready, pointed towards where the son was. Why was the father there? Because the father, just in case the boy was attacked, the father was ready to protect the boy. Suddenly the boy realized that the father had been there the whole night. And if the, the father had been there the whole night, he thought to himself, man, I could have just slept. See, if the boy had known that the father was there, would that have changed the posture of the boy that night? And the answer is yes. Of course it would have. He wouldn't have been stressed. He wouldn't have been anxious. He wouldn't have been worried. He would have lied down comfortably, enjoyed a night in the jungle, knowing that his father was protecting him, knowing that he was secure in his situation. He was safe in that night. Friends, hear me. True comfort does not come when there is an absence of chaos. Let me say that again. True comfort is not found when all of your problems disappear. True comfort comes knowing that even when there is chaos, that someone has your back. That someone will look after you. That's true comfort. 
You know, comfort isn't about God taking away all your problems. Because I promise you, if God took away all your problems, that does not guarantee that you will be comfortable and at peace. For many people who have grown up in, you know, uh, tumultuous situations, times of peace, it's anxious because they're just waiting for something else to blow up. True comfort is knowing that even in amongst your problems, even in amongst your fears and anxieties, it's knowing that God is with you. God is for you. God is fighting for you. And that's the difference. That's the difference when you trust God. Knowing that the problems and the burdens that we bear will be looked after, not just by anyone, you know, sometimes that's where we, that's our flaw. We go through problems and we try to find solutions with people in this world. And the best you get are temporary solutions. But when you take that to God, the creator of the universe, the one who put the stars into place one by one, that's what brings you comfort. That's what brings you peace. If you're with God, if you trust God, if you put your faith in God, no matter what you're going through, God can be your comfort. See, I think that's where we get it wrong sometimes. I think too many times we think that a comfortable life is a life that has no problems. Like if all my problems got solved, I would be comfortable. I would be at peace. And I'm telling you, the more, the more you try to solve your problems to get to that state, it's just there's going to be more problems. But what God says is not that I will get rid of all your problems, but he says I will be with you in your problems. I will be with you in your trouble. That, my friends, is true comfort. That is true peace. So this evening, to conclude, I actually want to read Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 again. And I want to declare it over all of our lives. We who are tired, we who are weary, oh man, that's me. I'm tired, you know. People know at church when I'm tired by what drink I bring into church. If I bring, which is my normal drink, water, jokes. I don't drink water. I'll usually bring in like Sprite, no sugar, you know, maybe a peach iced tea, flavor, you know. But if I'm tired... Full strength Coke. You know, just I need that caffeine, right? You know, I'm tired. I've got five kids. Two of them are sick. One's getting teeth. One's got the cold, you know? Like, people go, oh, Steve, did you sleep last night? Yes, I slept four hours of broken sleep. Do you know what it's like to sleep four hours of broken sleep? It's like as soon as you fall asleep, you get woken up. It's like torture. Not to say that kids are torture. Something that I realized was by the time my kids are old enough to like get on YouTube and stuff, I need to edit some of these videos. 
too many stories about him. But you know what? I know you. I know that for some of you, you are tired. You're tired of what's going on in your life. For some of you, you are broken. Some of you lack confidence in all different ways. For some of you, you are fragile. Anything can tick you off. For some of you, you are vulnerable. You don't want people to know what's going on in your life because you're afraid. For some of you, you are sick physically, mentally. There is no one in this room, there is no one that's online that is exempt from any of those conditions. But I want to declare these words over your lives today. That you would know that the God of comfort is your God. He's your God. It's not just, hey, that's great. There is a God that's, you know, that's going to look after his people. No, no, that's your God. That's your Father. He's for you. He's fighting for you. He's with you in the storm.